Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Goals on Film, Edge of the Crowd's dedicated sports movies podcast. I'm your host, Jason, and I've got Stewie and Callum joining me for this week's episode. Stewie, we'll go to you first. How are you? Yeah, yeah, now I figured out how to use my mic, mate. I'm fantastic. Can't wait to jump into the movie, mate. Um, got lots to say. Uh, I know you boys do too. And it's great to have Callum with us, mate. Callum, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, I've been um, interested in coming on for a while, but um, just uh, just uh, took a while for me to find find time in the schedule and that sort of thing, you know, doing the cricket podcast and that sort of thing. But that's why I'm here, because we're doing a cricket movie. So that's definitely going to be good fun. That's right. Well, welcome to Goals on Film, uh, you know, making your debut. We're glad to have you here. And as you did say, um, over the last four weeks, we have been watching the T20 World Cup. And so we are celebrating the final, which at the time of recording, we're not quite sure uh, what teams are on. The semifinals are happening um, at the time of recording right now. Um, and so we don't know which teams have made the finals, but it's definitely between New Zealand, Pakistan, India or England. Um, any of you guys want to have an uh, early prediction um, that, you know, I might I might edit this later? <laughs> Um, well, I, I said on the uh, the top edge um, that I think um, it's India's to win from here, but um, also I'm I'm universally known as a jinx in terms of cricket, so maybe don't don't go for that. I'm going to go with the Kiwis, maybe a bit of revenge when they robbed in the last T20 World Cup. Yeah, so, yeah, they got really close. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm going the Kiwis. I'll go what dark horse, and I'll go Pakistan. Oh, there you go. <laughs> One of us is bound to be right, or none of us. Yeah, true. We can all be wrong. <laughs> um, but if you want a bit more in-depth discussion, as Callum said earlier as well, uh, you can listen to one of the Edge of the Crowd's uh, many podcasts. This one is the Cricket Podcast, The Top Edge. And so search for that on all your streaming services to hear Callum and Rory each week, um, as they have done for many months now, but especially throughout this World Cup. Anyway, we'll now get into the episode itself, and obviously we've mentioned the T20 World Cup, so we are doing a cricket film, and that is 2012 Australian comedy Save Your Legs. Before I open it up to both of you, because I know we all have views on this movie, I will detail the synopsis of the film. It's basically the story of one man who refuses to lose his part cricket team to the realities of growing up. Um, we've got the story focuses on Teddy Brown, who's the president of a D-grade team, the Abbotsford Anglers Cricket Club, and... He's basically a cricket, cricket tragic, but he does see life slipping by, and so he holds on to the ideals of the game and the mateship that surrounds the culture of the club. However, is shaken when everyone else on the team is moving on with their, their lives while he's seemingly left struggling behind. Teddy gets the backing of Sanjeet uh, to sponsor the team for a tour of India, India masquerading as an A-grade side. The anglers travel to India and battle local teams but lose each time, which does include some match fixing. Uh, Teddy learns to understand and accept his teammates moving on, and one final game sees the anglers battle against a Bollywood actors team, with Teddy hitting the winning runs to get the anglers over the line in a moment of sort of team unity and togetherness. It's part human drama, part travelogue, part comedy, um, but as we'll also come to understand, it is based off a documentary, but... I think it just like sort of captures a unique passion for life and bizarre game of amateur cricket. And so after all of that, Stewie, Callum, what do you each think of the film? Look, I think there were bits of it that were entertaining. Um, you know, I, I like the I like the premise, you know, the small cricket club um, suddenly thrown into the deep end of, you know, having to play a tournament in India and that sort of thing. Um, so I thought that was pretty, pretty interesting. Um, pretty good as a premise, but um, the film itself was, um, it had some moments of rather cringy humor that I didn't find very funny. Um, and uh, it just had, um, you know, it kind of followed the the typical sports movie formula, which is kind of, you know, this being a 2012 release, we kind of seen a lot of films that kind of already follow that formula and this didn't really reinvent it or do anything like that. And um, yeah, it just wasn't, um, it wasn't, fantastic viewing but you know there's definitely a kind of niche of interest that it will it will it will tickle yeah i think you kind of hit the nail on the head there callum um you're probably being a bit kinder than i would like to be um <laughs> it, it was tough man and i've touched on this on this podcast before um something that that, that callum touched on just then you know when sports movies are made lazily which i'll say i think this is a lazy sports movie 
there's definitely like a, a, a cut and paste vibe to it. You know, they, they don't reinvent the wheel. Um, some of the humor is just bad. Um, some of the acting performances are just poor. We were just speaking off mic before, you know, Steve Curry has only got one note and that's Steve Curry, you know, like no hate, you know, he gets to, he gets to be an actor. That's his job. That's the, he gets to do what he loves, but you know, range isn't his strong point. Um, yeah. I, I struggle with this movie. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to watch it with Jace last night and uh, he knows how much I struggled with it. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 So I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it was a complete stinker. Um, it wasn't a two or three out of 10. I ended up giving it a five out of 10, but uh, it was definitely on the poor side. what do you think, Jace? Yeah, I thought that, you know, it was a tough watch at sort of like the best of times. And, you know, like even those moments where, you know, there was the humor, there was the like, you know, the moments where you felt sort of empowered and like really connected with the story or like invested in what was happening on the screen. And whether that was like, you know, the interactions between the characters or the amount of cricket that was shown or like the, you know, like the scenes that were shown of the cricket, like, you know, I think that, you know, they were all pretty good, but I think that the majority of the film sort of like lacked um, a lot of like, you know, like that connection that you want to feel um, with a sports movie and especially a cricket movie, because, I think like, you know, there's not many cricket movies out there as well. And like, Stuart, you and I talked about it a couple of times on a couple of other episodes as well, such as Rugby League with Chasing Comets and, you know, that being, I think, of one of three or something, um, The Merger and, uh, you know, Aussie Rules films, like that being only one of a handful as well. And so I think that cricket sort of like, you know, comes into that sometimes as well, like, you know, when you're creating a movie for the screen. And so I think that, you know, I think that, yeah, a lot of that was sort of like lost um, or like not really conveyed well um, in this movie when it really like needed to be. And I think that that was like such a big part of the movie um, and of the plot. Like, I think that, you know, it was more so about like the sport than it was about like the drama as well, because like the drama or like, you know, it incorporated the sport. And so like you needed the sport to be strong to begin with um, and it just wasn't. And so that made it, you know, you know, fall down um you know in every other category i think and so i don't even think that you know some of those like really good uh sports scenes and like we'll talk about how well the film depicts the sport later um i don't think any of those and i don't think any of the acting performances could really lift it to the great heights that um you know it probably deserved and i think that you know uh i think australian film uh fans and cricket fans um probably deserve with a cricket film as well yeah, I'd love to add on to that, mate. I think that's an excellent point. You know, there's a lot of sports, a lot of Australian sports, a lot of a lot of sports that aren't, you know, mainstream or whatever. Hollywood's never going to make a cricket movie, okay? Um, just a little bit more effort, you know? Just a, a little bit more effort with the scripts. Try something new. Try something creative. Really just try and hammer the actors for, like, brilliant performances. You, you, I can't put it any better than you put it, like, they cricket fans and Australian cinema fans really deserve this to be a great movie. And by all accounts, the documentary is really great. And it's just such a shame that, uh, that it wasn't great. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you and me were talking about it as well last night, Stewie, and I think we were talking about it before um, we start hit record as well, but it is a wider issue with sports movies in Australia. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think that's, um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of mitigating factors there you know like um obviously the finances are not at the same level as like a hollywood movie or even a bollywood movie i suppose um you know australian movies are never going to get that kind of financing there's a bit of you know i've never made a movie before might shock you guys to hear i've never made a movie but um and and i i feel kind of out of place saying this but it needs to be said anyway it's it's lazy you know chasing comets the merger yeah. Um, Crackerjack, which I love, by the way, I love Crackerjack. Fantastic movie. Cut and paste. All of these storylines are all exactly the same. And another thing, which is something that I don't think we've got into yet, is you know Australia. We pride ourselves on being a laid-back country, having a laugh, you know, um, taking the piss. It's just it's just part of what we do. And just conveying that onto film, I think when it's not done right, which it wasn't done right in this movie, it kind of veers into caricature 
territory and that's never good you know it's uh it's never good and uh you know it, it it's few and far between the amount of movies that pull that off but uh, i just don't get why they don't just try particularly like there's stacks of callum you and i were just talking off mic about how many people there were in india right imagine if they made this movie fantastic you know like it was it was um authentic and you know they hit all the right notes and maybe they got a little bit creative with it there's plenty of people that would pay to watch this movie if they made it good but they just didn't make it good yeah for sure i think that's a good point and um there's definitely an element of of complacency with like a few of those films you mentioned um just in terms of you know storyline um different conventions they use um and I was quite disappointed in, you know, the, the the film began with, you know, Stephen Curry doing what he does, you know, narrating about the situation that he's in and that sort of thing. And um, I thought it could actually potentially be very funny because the way he, like, talked up every member of the cricket club, you know, like what sort of person they were mm-hmm. and, like, like, the kind of juxtaposition to how they actually were versus how he viewed them, I thought that was kind of maybe the tone that they'd go for. Um, so that would be where the humor is. They're like, no, no, nothing like the way he's painting them to be. But it didn't really end up that way. And they ended up like caricatures, as you said. And um, yeah, it's it's a shame because, um, you know, I feel like even though it's supposed to be a comedy movie, all the characters seem to take themselves too seriously. <laughs> and that's um, that's weirdly that's weirdly inappropriate for Australian because Australians are known for, like you said, being laid back and just, you know, kind of making fun of each other and that sort of thing. And they didn't really have that, that chemistry together. I don't know if that was the case behind the scenes, but it just didn't translate very well on screen. Yeah. Um, Stuart, you brought it up before as well, just about like how many people uh, do live in India and sort of like the market that, you know, this film might've gone towards with, you know, having the majority of the film in India. And so the Victorian government actually supported this film as a way to promote uh, trade between India and Australia. But uh, Callum, I think that you have a bit more details on that sort of arrangement and what, you know, was the intended outcome of that. So, um, what I know is the Victorian government kind of, I don't know if they directly funded, but they more like they, they effectively endorsed um, this Australian film um, being, you know, shot in India and trying to, you know, be, be more authentic and trying to, you know, connect with the, uh, with the, uh, the kind of, um, you know, the, the market that would be there, you know, a lot of cricket fans are Indian fans and, um, you know, they're really passionate cricket fans and, you know, they would probably relate to the connection with cricket that Teddy Brown has. So, you know, there's, there was definitely an opportunity there. Um, it may not have necessarily panned out all that well, but um, yeah, I don't know how well, how well received it was um, in India. Um, I'd, I'd have to probably do some more research and see, you know, if it was shown there or, you know, if there was interest or that sort of thing. But yeah, I think um, the product that they ultimately produced just didn't really, it was, it was kind of shallow in regards to like, they had bits and pieces of um, India that were, you know, interesting and like, oh, that, that would have been a culture shock, but didn't really go into detail with it. They didn't spend enough time, you know, kind of fleshing that out and that sort of thing. So it was all just kind of gimmicky bits and pieces like, oh, he got food poisoning. Oh, he's, he's in a crowded market and he's lost. Oh no. Um, But it didn't really, you know, like, like build on any of those things, which is a shame because that could have definitely been something interesting and something maybe relatable to to different viewers of the uh, of the film. So we've we've all kind of touched on the potential this movie has, even outside of Australia and India, right? Like um, cricket's big globally. You know, we've we've got a World Cup going on right now. Listen to the Top Edge podcast; they've got the best coverage of it. Um, I just uh, I just did a little bit of research then. Um, this movie was shown on 176 screens and took $165,000, which equates to just $936 per screen that it was shown on at the box office. So you know, talk about talk about a swing and a miss. How about a baseball pun in a uh, cricket <laughs> podcast? Um, but yeah, nine hundred and thirty six dollars. Um, you know, they really screwed the pooch on this one. Yeah, just uh, continuing on from that as well. It was actually one of, among one of the worst debuts um, for a local film in recent years. Um, obviously, this being in twenty twelve, but. Uh, yeah, I would I would think that um I can't think of any other like sort of local films that have sort of like flopped 
um, as much as this one appears to have. Um, and it's sort of like interesting as well. Like I've got like, there was a huge like marketing campaign towards it. Like it was a wide release and um, a couple of like the marketing things that, you know, helped sort of try and promote this film, um, obviously aside from like the India Australia partnership, um, among the initiatives was a save your legs game for iPads and iPhones, a contest run through event cinemas to win $5,000 cash, a competition to win a 16 day adventure tour to North India, um, and a segment on nine networks, the cricket show. So That's incredible. I've tried all these things, but it obviously hasn't happened. hasn't worked out. That's incredible. It's a small pool of people that were in that competition for the 16 day trip to North India. There's some, uh, some lucky <laughs> cinema goers there. The least they could do after making him sit through that 92 minutes of that movie. Very true. It might be more of an apology contest than something like that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's interesting that they, um, they did all that marketing towards it. I mean, I understand why they did all the marketing towards it, but it like screams of marketing a product that you don't actually really know about. They didn't really know how the film came across. They just sort of went, oh, yeah, this is the idea. Let's market the idea. And then when the film did launch and people probably saw it on the premiere and that sort of thing, and they were like, oh, this is bad. Don't watch this. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of where it all fell flat. Yeah. Um, we seem to be keep coming and going with uh, different points. So before we get into references of, to history, um, Callum, you were mentioning the landscape of India before, and uh, you have experience with living in India. And so, you know, enlighten us and the listeners as to, uh, you know, your own experiences of living in India and I guess like just how sort of that cricket mad it is, but then also tying it back to how well this film might depict India, the country. Yeah, yeah. So when I was... um younger kind of in my in my preteen years I, I lived in India I lived there for four years um my family and I um, moved over there for my um dad's work so yeah I was in Mumbai for four years and um Mumbai was quite a remarkable culture shock in that there's people everywhere I mean you know they try to they try to do it a little bit in this film but it's it's really like a different level like every street you see there's just crowds of people all over the place and they really like crowding um <laughs> which is interesting you know like ever if there's ever anything unusual happening on the street everyone will go crowd around it see what's happening and that sort of thing um which is something I'd never really experienced before because in Australia you know we kind of have we kind of more just if something's happening on the street we go oh that's interesting and then just move along that's not really not really such such the case um so yeah um i i, I lived there for a while um i went to an international school over there um and yeah i just came to um you know kind of learn learn some different things but yeah i think um back to your point with the film um they got some of the landscapes like some of india is truly beautiful you know if you ever travel up the um the west coast of india it's really really like quite a quite a beautiful part of the world there's um lots of like stunning sights and um there's there's some really lovely people as well there's some really really nice um indian people who make you feel welcome and um you know it's um it's definitely a nice place to visit um i would also recommend the north of india very nice place to visit um which is where um the contest went so you know i'm sure whoever won that um had a great time as well <laughs> and um yeah it's um they they covered a little bit of it in the film, which I thought was good, but they kind of, um, I don't know, the hotel scenes felt rather inauthentic to me. Um, you know, they just, I don't know whether it was a matter of what their particular itinerary was, but just didn't seem to reflect what I kind of knew as the Indian hotel experience and that sort of thing. Um, the transport wasn't really there. Like, um, you know, they ride a train in one of the scenes and um, they all have their own comfortable seat and that sort of thing. The trains are brimming with people. There's people on the roof. There's people hanging out of the door. Riding the train's honestly dangerous, and they didn't really cover any of that. Um, so, you know, there were bits and pieces where they kind of missed the mark, but um, th there were some things which were, which were kind of um, reflective of kind of, you know, the beauty of India. But as I mentioned before, I think you can definitely flesh it out a bit more. Yeah, mate, I think that, you know, A-grade cricketers, they can get a tr whole train to themselves. Like, <laughs> <laughs> all right, we will move on now and we will look at references to history. And Stu, I think that you mentioned it before that this movie is actually based on a real-life documentary um, of the Abbotsford Anglers Cricket Club. Um, 
And it was a real trip taken in 2001 by this cricket club, which became the subject of the 2000, um, became the subject of a 2005 documentary, which then obviously became the subject um, of the 2012 film that we're talking about. And uh, I just like I've done a bit of research on the Anglers Cricket Club themselves, and I think they sort of like do pride themselves on everything that we sort of saw this team be and sort of become and be known for in the movie. Um, and sort of like they're that's like the team's sort of ideals in real life as well. And so, um, they market their club as um having a focus on fur. A focus firmly on foreign tours and lunchtime spreads as it is on runs and wickets. The anglers are always looking to walk the line between a uh, satoric, sat, sartorial. I don't know if that's meant to be satirical. <laughs> <laughs> is sartorial a word? I have no idea. I think it might be a word. <laughs> Maybe that's a bit of the satire. Um, ah. Sartorial day out and on field success. The club has always held the belief that the spirit of cricket exists not only on the pitch, but also beyond the boundary, at the bar and around the hot plate. <laughs> um, yeah, so the director of this movie, um, he basically, I think he's had um, someone approach him about this idea and um, expanding like a documentary into a feature film. And he had described it as a delicate process, um, a balancing act between being respectful to the original material, but also so ensuring that the feature narrative is as dynamic and bold as possible um and so they obviously use the documentary as a starting point and enhance the drama and the comedy of the situations um while hoping to stay true to the heart and soul of what the original tour was yeah i mean i think it's a great premise on paper you know i think it's um it was a really good good idea and um you know we often talk about what we've been talking about what the potential of this film is and that sort of thing um and yeah it just kind of didn't quite pan out but um yeah, I, I do really like the premise, and um, I, I didn't get a chance to see the documentary, but I think I'd quite like to because I'd like to see kind of what the real team was like and kind of how 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 they were presented as opposed to how these you know characters were presented. Callum, mate, you keep stealing all my takes. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I really I, I dug the premise. I thought the premise was a cool idea too. And, uh, you know, I also haven't seen the documentary, but I'd like to see it because, uh, you know, I feel like the true story will probably be uh, a bit more, bit more interesting, probably a bit more fun to watch um, as well. So, yeah. Yeah, a bit more real, um, obviously, with the documentary. And I think that you mentioned it before, Stewie, that this movie on IMDb, I think it was a 5.2 rating, whereas the documentary had about two stars more. Um, and so <laughs> maybe we should have been doing the documentary, I think, was the comment that you said to me last night as well. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Um, so that's the documentary, um, obviously the subject of the film. We'll go into a bit of the content of the film now and references to history. And I think one of the main ones we had um, was the references to Sachin Tendulkar. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, very well-known Indian cricketer, um, very, you know, well-liked, prestigious player as well. And, uh, you know, the film sort of like makes him out to be that type of person as well and sort of like the influence that he has on the cricketing world, um, both Australia, India, um, but also in India as well. And, you know, you know, I think we get a comment from someone saying like, we're all Sachin's brothers. Anything can happen in Bollywood. Sachin's on turf. <laughs> Come on. Daddy? Let's give Sachin back his box, eh? How's that sound? No, it stumps. See you later, English. It's all over. Mate, it's not all over. We got a we got a bucks party to go to, Telly. Bollywood, baby. No, it's not. Get it. It's over. You don't want to play cricket anymore. Fine. You got what you wanted. You, have a look at you. Why don't you go and party some more, Stav? Go to Bollywood. Go to you. You go and smoke crack out of the box or give it to the next bloke. Tell me, Sachin Tendulkar's long lost freaking brother. I am. I'm done. And I think that that's obviously really nice to sort of like encapsulate like what he means to a nation um, on the back of his cricketing uh, abilities. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the uh, the references to Sachin Tendulkar. Great cricket player. If you've never heard of him, you probably won't be listening to this podcast. So um, I'm not going to tell anyone to go out there and uh, check out his highlight reel because chances are you've already seen it. But uh, 
yeah, yeah. I enjoyed the Sachin Tendulkar of it all. I thought it was really cool. Callum, does everyone really say they're Sachin Tendulkar's brother in India? Um, from what I've seen, they don't say that they're Sachin Tendulkar's brother, but he is very highly regarded. They all, all <laughs> they all really love him, and yeah, um, yeah he's he's from from Mumbai. So um, every now and again, we'd we'd be uh, blessed to encounter the little master around the place, which was wow. pretty uh, pretty exciting. Um, wow. Never really got to interact with him, but I, I've I've played cricket with his son before, so you know that was pretty fun. That was pretty cool. Um, so that's my little claim to fame. <laughs> <laughs> How cool! But yeah, he's um he's he's really highly respected, and um you know, um on the field and off the field, he he's been an incredible influence on on not just Indian cricket but cricket globally. You know, he he's accomplished so much in terms of you know being one of one of the greatest players in um all formats and his longevity they they spoke to that quite a bit and they used it as an analogy for the Abbotsford Anglers um you know he was 40 when he retired from international cricket and that's just incredible you know you think of many elite level athletes and that sort of thing and they retire maybe early mid 30s you know so the fact that Tindulka was still going and still playing at such a high level for so long um is really such a such a profound impact and I think they did actually cover the impact Tendulkar had quite well um I think that was one of the few things that they did cover quite well um with um yeah just presenting how he was viewed uh how he's still viewed you know he, he's adored and um you know kind of the influence he had across the game the influence he had on um Teddy Brown and the influence he had on the the, the global cricketing cricketing uh, viewers yeah absolutely um we've given a bit of praise but I have a few uh little like you know maybe inaccuracies maybe i um heard the movie wrong but uh this is what i picked up from <laughs> this is what i picked up from listening to the movie um and watching it was uh news of his retirement and so um i think we have teddy sitting in a bar and uh he watches the news broadcast a bulletin of uh the um you know broadcaster sort of saying that sachin was thinking about retiring today with rumors that Sachin Tendulkar is about to announce his retirement from international cricket. Known the world over as the little master, Tendulkar has spent more than 20 years at the top, the most decorated and dedicated player in history. Sources close to him have revealed he has played his last game for India and he is about to make a statement to the press. It is believed that while he will miss the game he loves, it's time to focus on his friends and growing family. Now, my life has started actually. You can wake up in the morning and complain to God for things you wish you had. That way you'll never be happy. Or you can wake up in the morning and thank God for what you do have. Your friends, your family, your loved ones. Then this is the way to happiness. If you rejoice in the way things are, the world belongs to you. I think that like given this movie is set in sort of like the 2011-2012 period, um, you know, like it's yeah, sort of said that Sachin was thinking about retirement, and the reality was that you know there was a, uh, some poor performances from him. I think in the 2012 series against England, and so he, meant he announced his retirement from uh, One Day Internationals in 2012 at the back end of 2012, um, while noting that he would be available for Test cricket. And then uh, it was about 10 months later in October of 2013 where he announced that he would retire from all forms of uh, cricket after a two-test series against the West Indies. Um, and so, like, you know, like the news broadcast could have been right in terms of, you know, Sachin thinking about his retirement. But, you know, if we want to sort of try and piece together the uh, events of the movie and when they were um, versus, you know, in real life as well, um, I guess it was maybe about a year or so, um, maybe a year and a half between when this news broadcast went out. Um, I don't know if it was a real news, bro news broadcast, but when this one was out um, versus when Sachin did actually retire. Um, Jason, what I'm wondering about, I'm sure Callum's wondering about it, and I know that our millions of listeners are wondering about, was, was there any directional things they got wrong in this movie <laughs> um well i mean i can't tell you about any like geographical things we're not going to geography school this week uh... um maybe callum could tell you about that <laughs> the, the lived experiences in india but 
honestly, no, like I couldn't find anything, which I don't know if it says enough about like, you know, uh, that, you know, enough people have watched this movie to point it out um, or not. <laughs> that could be the case. Um, but I definitely didn't find anything in terms of, yeah, the technical stuff. Well, that's disappointing. No geography school with Jason this way. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, no. Um, I think just finishing in uh, Sachin, uh, at his request, uh, the Beast double CI uh, arranged that the two matches between the West Indies were played at Kolkata and Mumbai so that the farewell would happen at his home ground. He scored 74 in his last test innings against the West Indies, uh, falling short by 79 runs to complete 16,000 runs in test cricket. And uh, actually in that final game of his, the next man to bat after him was in fact Virat Kohli. Yeah, kind of a symbolic passing of the torch, if you will. Um, I mean, Virat Kohli has always been an elite player throughout his um, career as well. Um, and uh, just kind of drawing back to those um, possible inaccuracies with Sachin Tendulkar, he did indeed make his international cricket debut at 16 years old, but it was not against Australia. He uh, debuted against, um, I believe it was Pakistan. Yeah, Pakistan in November of 1989. Um, so, I mean, still remarkable that a 16-year-old is playing for international cricket, um, you know, and that sort of thing. But I think the uh, the retirement news broadcast they did in the film was more a dramatic device rather than a reflection of what was happening. I think it was more just like, you know, I think he had, like, announced he was retiring from one day international cricket, but he, he hadn't said he was retiring overall or anything like that. So I think they were just using it as, like, you know, the symbolism that... It's time for Teddy to move on, just like Sachin, his hero, has. And that's- <laughs> <laughs> wow. So if Sachin made his debut in 89, right, technically he played in the 80s. Obviously, he played in the 90s. He played yep. in the noughties as well. Mm-hmm. And he played in the 2010s. Yeah, it's, it's remarkable longevity. Four decades. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah, the only other career I can think that's probably analogous in terms of um, relevancy is... Um, the late great Shane Warne, um, obviously played um, for many decades and was um, a sensational player for Australia. And yeah, I think players like that who just last for a long, long time always have a huge impact, not only on the on the psyche of the cricket fans and that sort of thing, but kind of on the overall culture of the the cricket playing countries. You know, I think Sachin's had a profound impact on the uh, the culture of India, and I think um, Warnie's probably had a profound impact on the culture of Australia as well. Definitely. Beautifully said. Yes. Uh, the last one that I have in terms of references to history, um, I'm not sure how much of a reference to history it is, but, um, you know, Stuart, you and I were talking about it last night as well while we were watching the movie, but in that final game, they are sort of playing a game under lights um, and they're using what like looks to be a pink ball um, as opposed to, you know, the white ball that, you know, you would normally get under lights, but, uh, you know, we've sort of seen in the last sort of like seven years as well, like, you know, the use of a pink ball in test matches, those day-night test matches. And so the first instance of them being used at like an international level um, was in 2015 with a test match at Adelaide Oval, a day-night test match between New Zealand and Australia. Um, and so I don't know if like a pink ball was sort of like created or constructed um, prior to 2015. I know like it probably would have been in the works to try and get this going and, you know, try and work out methods of possibly seeing the ball a bit better at night under lights and that sort of thing. But um, I know that, yeah, it's sort of like, you know, uh, stuck out at us, Stewie, um, when we were watching it um, in terms of, you know, we saw it on the, the screen and we were like, oh, a pink ball. And then uh, I think we looked it up while we were watching it as well. And so, you know, maybe, uh, yeah, they were sort of ahead um, in terms of depicting a pink ball or that one would be used or could be used. And so I think that, yeah, that was just like really interesting to sort of see on screen. And then, you know, three years later, they're using it in international matches. Yeah, yeah, that was super interesting. And uh, credit to you, Jace. You picked up on that straight away. Um, he was all over a Callum. He, he was like, hey, this doesn't match up timeline-wise. So this is not something he just switches on for the podcast, folks. This is Jason in real life. Just a theory I've got here. What do you reckon they got a prototype of that ball, maybe, to uh, to use in the movie? Yeah, I have actually have no idea. I mean, it's interesting because, like, 
I I do feel like it was sort of being talked about maybe at that time. Like, as we said, like it's only three years earlier. Um, and so I don't know when the first sort of discussions for a pink ball, day-night test, these sorts of things were happening. Um, and, I mean, like Australia seemed to be the ones that were sort of like um, really pushing for this the most. Um, and like, you know, it took a while for other teams to come on board. Um, I think it wasn't India, like one of those teams that were a bit like umming and ahhing about it um, a couple of, you know, years ago. Um, yeah, the Indian cricket board has sometimes been a bit funny about different um, like changes to the cricketing game, because for a while they were quite quite a traditional type board. Um, and they liked, you know, kind of old school cricket. You know, you play test cricket in the day with the red ball, you play one day cricket, you know, day and night with the white ball and that's kind of how it goes and that sort of thing um they've more recently become quite a bit more um uh more i suppose uh considerate of the uh the different suggestions of um you know new like day night tests i'm using um drs you know decision review system and that sort of thing which they didn't have in the ipl for a while um so yeah that they're kind of developing in, in that in that term and um I'm going to go ahead and make a really wild claim here and say um, Save Your Legs has invented day-night test cricket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, a legacy certainly was, its legacy certainly wasn't going to be the film. So, yeah, at least it's got some <laughs> kind of legacy. <laughs> All right, we'll move on now and we will talk about how well the film depicts the sport. I've got a couple of things um, I know that you guys might as well. And, you know, here we can obviously talk about the game itself or maybe some of like the background stuff. Like we obviously saw a couple of trainings. We saw like a couple of net sessions um, and just everything that happens, I guess, like in a park or a local um, cricket scene um, as well, like in terms of the ground itself and just, you know, everyone get being there Um and uh, the crowd and stuff like that. And so we'll make mention of that, some of those, I guess, um, probably. And so the one thing that I do have, um, this is actually, it was spoken by uh, Damon Gamu, um, who plays Starve in this movie. He said that uh, he really found the movie to be fun because he was able to do things that you wouldn't normally be able to do, like go tonk the ball under lights in Mumbai. And so in terms of like, I guess, how well the movie tried to depict the sport um, and we saw like a lot of like, you know, really good, great, huge hits. Um, the way that they were able to do that uh, as described by Damon was that they'll bowl really simple deliveries to me and I'll be carting it all over, but it's all cheating. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm a little bit nervous for this section, mate, because we've got a cricket guru with us. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> so um yeah yeah you know it it all depends on what level of cricket we're judging it by you know if it's international cricket then it kind of fell quite a ways away from uh from the mark but uh jason and i um in our other job this is our main gig but our <laughs> other job we write for a newspaper and we both covered some cricket on uh the weekend just gone and um i, I felt like it was it was comparable to the cricket that we would see, you know. Um, I thought it was all right. Some of the bowling actions were weird. Like the 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 last guy for the Bollywood team who seemed to bowl every over, his <laughs> action was very, very strange. Um, and I've got questions about um, you know, how many over how many overs are you actually allowed to bowl, mate? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did seem like he was bowling the bulk of them. Um, yeah, um, I I am not too sure in terms of authenticity at the uh, at the club level. Um, Rory would definitely be the one to ask about that. Rory plays a lot of club cricket um, himself, so you know um, he, he also has the claim to fame. Um, of he's um, played against Cameron Green and scored more runs in that match than Cameron Green did. So <laughs> who should really be in the Australian team? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Um, yeah, it, it kind of it kind of looked to me quite quite a bit like what the club cricket culture is like and how club cricket is played and that sort of thing. And I think the premise of the tournament was sure it was an international tournament, but it was club teams. And um, so I think that was kind of reflective of it. Um, I remember going and playing cricket on like what was supposed to be a field that was mostly dirt and a cricket wicket. So that feels quite accurate as well when they played the toy makers mm -hmm. in the film. Um, so, you know, that, that felt, that felt kind of familiar. And um, 
Yeah, no, I mean, maybe the techniques probably weren't quite right. Um, the batting techniques weren't amazing. Um, the bowling techniques, as Stewie mentioned, weren't amazing. But, you know, <laughs> they don't have to be because it's club level. And um, I think it was still fun. And I think it was, it was, I think those are some of the best bits of the film, the, the actual, actual cricket action. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Some of the best parts were just seeing him swing the bat and stuff and watching the weird action of the Bollywood guy in the last bowling 50 million overs in the match. <laughs> um, one other thing I just want to split hairs with here is the uh, the format of the tournament they were playing in. So we watched them lose a game, right? So as far as we know, they're 0-1 and their net run rate is just trash. But if they win their second game, then they go to the final in Mumbai. What is this tournament? Because I feel like we could put a team together and fluke a win and get to the final in Mumbai if that's the uh, tournament format. If that's all it takes. <laughs> we should get a, um, an edge of the crowd 11 together. Um, and it can just be entirely centred around Rory. That can be that can be how we do it. <laughs> um, the only thing I can think of in terms of the tournament is maybe the first one was a warm up match, um, and then the second one was like like the actual tournament. But uh, they didn't reference anything like that, so I'm kind of just you know speculating for their sake. And um, yeah. Um, it does feel really strange after you lose your first game if you just win the next game by any margin. Yeah, you're through. Good job. <laughs> Unless it was a three-team tournament and they played yeah. the first team again. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that was ever yeah specified. And I don't even think that there was a um, graphic or anything or uh, scene of the scoreboard where like the amount of overs were specified. <laughs> so I got no idea. Yeah, they didn't even specify scores in the games you know so the closest we got was uh that second game the big one where if they won they made the final um when they needed three runs three runs that's all we need right just nothing rash just take it easy this is just how i planned it marky mark setting you up to be the hero brother let's go my brother that's the only time I had any kind of orientation as to what was happening in the game. So that, that probably could have used a bit more work too, but to Callum's point, I do think the cricket scenes were probably the highlight of this movie. We will go into the cast now and a bit of a blend between, uh, you know, depicting the sport and the cast was uh, Shibani Dandeka. International challenge. Super Hunt, Bushabai has gathered together a star-studded Bollywood team, and they're going to take on the unknown team from down under, the Abbotsford Anglers. She's a Indian-Australian singer, actress, host, and model. But uh, part of her working career is actually uh, being a commentator, a cricket commentator, or at least like a cricket host. Um, and so I think she's done a bit of IPL. Um, she was definitely one of the co-hosts on the 2019 ICC Cricket World Cup alongside uh, the likes of Andrew Flintoff and Paddy McGuinness. Um, and her husband, uh, Farhan Akhtar, also appeared as a guest representing India. Um, and so I think that, yeah, it was really cool to get her. I think like she was one of those people like at the end of that final game. Um, but, you know, it was really cool to get her um, in seemingly her own role um, that she does perform um, and yeah, get her into the movie in, in that same role and um, obviously have a bit of a presence and obviously should be well known in India um, on the cricket coverage, the various cricket coverage. And so, you know, like in terms of, yeah, getting that right, like, you know, adding her to the movie, um, it obviously showed that, uh, you know, that authenticity of what you might see on an actual broadcast and it was really good for the film to get her in that role. Yeah, she was great. She was uh, another high point in an otherwise, you know, middle of the road movie. Interesting, something that just occurred to me then, 
Um, there's not a lot of representation of, of women in this movie. It's not passing the Bechdel test, I don't think. No. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting that you mentioned the portrayal of women because, yeah, there wasn't really that many female characters beyond Anjali, which was Ted Brown's love interest and the and the daughter of their sponsor who, you know, brought them um, to India to play in the tournament and that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, um, I'm not really sure if that was a directorial choice or if it was more they just kind of forgot. Um, but, you know... Um, yeah, it's it's interesting that um they weren't really all that well featured because the women that were featured all did quite a good job. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I completely agree. All right, we'll move on to looking at the cast list as a whole now. And just the main cast members, we had Stephen Curry as Teddy Brown, Damon Gamu as Stavros, Brendan Cowell as Rick, Darren Gilshanen as Colin, Brenton Thwaites as Mark, David Lyons as Prince, uh, Pallavi Sharda as Angela, Darshan Jarawala as Sanjeet, and Sid Makar as Tashar. Uh, so with all of that in mind, and you know, you can single out a certain uh, character or actor if you want to, or just talk about how they all interacted with each other uh, together as a whole. What did you guys think of the cast? Callum, we'll go to you first. Um, I think Rick was the most fleshed out character. And I think the reason Rick was the most fleshed out character is because he wrote the screenplay. Um, <laughs> if, 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 you, if you look at it, um, it was a different director, but the, the writer of the, the screenplay was Brendan Cowell, who, who played Rick. And um, I feel like that kind of reflected on how well characterized Rick was, as opposed to everyone else who was kind of just a caricature. You know, Stav was, you know, the the good looking, you know, businessy kind of guy who, you know, liked liked nice cars and liked being flashy and that sort of thing. Um, you know, Ted Brown was the uh, the everyman kind of hero, loves loves his cricket, that sort of thing. You know, he's playing Stephen Curry in a Stephen Curry movie, um, so you know he's generally doing that. And um, yeah, there was the the guru, which was an interesting interesting character to have. Um, there was the there was the kid who was obviously only in it for you know like the like the uh, the success or the uh, you know the opportunity to play in India and that sort of thing. And yeah. The only only really well characterized character was Rick, where he kind of went through, you know, he he was getting he was having a baby and then he was getting married, and then that was all really stressful because he didn't want to, you know, let go of his party life and doing everything like that. So he was probably the most interesting character. Um the, the rest of the cast, I mean, I'm sure they just played as they were directed, but you know, it just didn't didn't really um didn't really have much beyond a two-dimensional kind of kind of figure. 100%. You know it again, Callum. We've got to get you on every week, mate. Um, middle of the road, just middle of the road performances. Steve Curry being Steve Curry. Um, that Damon Gamio who played Stav. Yep. I can't remember the last time I watched a movie and actually hated a character more than him. He was just a complete jerk. I don't know how any of those guys uh, could stand being around that guy, be friends with him. Every scene that he was on, I just thought, what a f- douchebag, you know? Um, I really, this is my contribution to this segment. I just hated stuff. I hated him, hated him, hated him. It really does make you wonder, like, obviously these characters are, you know, seemingly based off real people as well. And so, you know, these actors are playing what might be real people um, and how they might have actually acted, um, you know, back then, um, obviously with throughout this tour, maybe, um, I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, it's really interesting. And so like, if that is the case and they, you know, portrayed these characters um, as accurate as they could, and obviously had the sort of uh, idea from the start, having watched the documentary, having known what these characters went through on the tour, what they acted like, like, I think that was easier to have like that sort of source material and know um, how they should perform or behave or act um for the movie as well and so yeah i think that that's like sort of what i take away from it but uh i think that in terms of singling out a couple i think that yeah i think i'm just going to reiterate what you guys say i think like stephen curry is stephen curry uh, we talked about him earlier in terms of how he just seems to be in most australian films um especially uh sports films as well i think the cup um came out around the same time as this one um and so you know playing uh, Damien Oliver, the jockey, um, there in that movie, 
And so, you know, I think that, yeah, he's sort of like the same character all the time. Um, I think that it's really interesting what you said, Callum, about um, Brendan Cowell as Rick um, having that, uh, I guess, say on the screenplay. And so you are right. Like, I feel like his character was the most fleshed out. Like, everyone else has had, like, little bits and pieces or, you know, like, what they were going through was only, like, touched on or, like, became, like, the main focal point of that character. But I think that Rick, like, you know, he was like yeah the character that was sort of like you know I guess like his uh role in the movie and like his like progression as a character um throughout these like 90 minutes um you know it was done really well um and you know it sort of had that uh trajectory of like him playing cricket but then also you know being a father coming to that realization and then just like the journey that he went on um throughout this time in India and what he like came to know and believe and sort of like understand about life and uh the cricket club and so yeah that's what I took away from his character I want to touch on uh Mark so Brenton Thwaites um Stuart you heard me sort of like exclaim when he first came onto the screen um because I know him from Titans um at the moment the DC show and so um, it was good to see like a fresh-faced uh, Brenton Thwaites. I think it was one of his first main um, acting roles in general, I think, actually. And so, but he provided nothing to this movie. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm really sorry to say to, like, I love him um, as an actor, but like his character was a bit of nothing. Like he was there, I think, actually, I think that like his character was sort of like really important as well. Like I've just said, like, um, you know, he's a bit of a nothing character because, you know, he, um, you know, match fixed, he, you know, got out on that last ball when they had three runs, um, you know, and uh, I mean, he wasn't treated right to begin with, but like, you know, you still do something for the team. Um, and, you know, he leaves, he comes back at the end, shakes hands and is seemingly part of the team song at the end as well. But uh, he wasn't really there for much, but one thing that I will say about his character, and I think like this is a difference between maybe like, you know, the levels of international cricket as well, um, and especially around this time maybe, was that the first time that we see him, he is wearing a Melbourne Renegades top, which we'll get to the prompt a little bit later, but uh, Melbourne Renegades, Brenton Thwaites, maybe a uh, character that I relate to. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, he's wearing a Melbourne Renegades top, and I think that there's like a big uh distinguishing feature between him sort of like wearing that top uh reflective of a t20 big bash team and this d-grade cricket team who you know predominantly i guess like play in a sort of like longer format game and you know uh mark being a young guy uh the anglers being a team of predominantly older sort of like you know 30s 40s 50s guys and I think that that was just like a bit of like a distinction between like the young and the old, the new and the old formats as well. And so I think that like his character might've been like placed there for that reason. Like that's definitely what I sort of take away from his character. No, nah, mate, you're doing, you're doing a lot of squinting there to, to give your boy Brennan Thwaites some props. Mate. <laughs> it was a nothing character. You nailed it first time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. I feel like I, I agree in terms of the purpose of the character. You know, I think he was supposed to be symbolic of, you know, what he often said to um, Ted in particular, but to the team as all, um, as well as um, crickets passed you all by. Gobba, punter, pad up. You're right. I'm at three, of course. Teddy, rock solid at four. Shad's at five. Hangers, Brett and Prince. Let me open. I can make that total off my own bat. Anyone who's not a real Abbotsford angler can bat at number 11. Stav, there's, there's only 10 of us. Stav Ross, Ricky's not playing. Well, congratulations, Marky. You've just been promoted to number 10. This is bull I didn't come all over India to get jerked around by a bunch of dickheads. Whoa. There is no I in Abbotsford anglers, yeah? Yeah? Come on! We are all one, brothers. Separation is the illusion. Here we go. The dinosaurs don't know how to win. The game has passed you by. <laughs> Relax, Teddy. I'm fine. We can chase this score down easily, with or without Justin Bebop. That sort of thing, because he kept pushing to try and open, because, you know, he was quite quite a talented player, even though he was quite quite arrogant and that sort of thing. And um, I think he was supposed to be symbolic of kind of the new school approach towards cricket, um, but it just it didn't pan out very well because he didn't have very many scenes. I mean, he had one scene when he's like, yeah, I've been offered to play in India, so I'm going to do that. 
uh, here's your cap. And that was just such a strangely done scene. <laughs> and, um, you know, t- Ted Brown looked very torn up about it when he wasn't part of the team in the first place. And I also wonder when they play club cricket, do they just field 10 players every time? Is that, is that what they do? Or <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. There was a couple of holes there that just weren't filled in. And um, I know he was supposed to try and fill in those holes in terms of his role and, um, you know, his uh, his type of character. But it just, yeah, it didn't really pan out that well. And um, I ultimately agree with Stewie. It was a nothing character that added nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, enough Bretton's white sl- slander from you, players. So... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now I'll go to a couple of like, and I think that you guys have sort of touched on it as well. Is just like how well these actors played the characters and got into the characters. Um, and so, uh, Brendan Cow, who played Rick, who you know we've touched on quite a bit, he actually spent uh, a night with the real life inspiration for his character. Um, he said that we went to the footy and we had a lot of Australian refreshing drinks, which you know, obviously, slang for beers, hey. Um, I did a big character study on him that night, which I couldn't recall the next day. <laughs> <laughs> so playing a sportsman, um, we also touched on is becoming uh, or was a bit of a habit for Stephen Curry. Um, and referencing the cup, uh, he said, I was an A-grade jockey. Here, I'm a D-grade cricketer, which is well within the realms of possibility for me. <laughs> <laughs> And the third one, uh, the third male lead, I guess, was uh, Damon Gamu. Um, his, you know, self-described club legend, Stav. Um, he describes his character as a knob, um, but it's one of the roles that he loves playing because he gets to say things that he wouldn't normally get to say in real life. <laughs> I could see how that would be fun, you know, in pro wrestling, if you got to be the bad guy. Everybody wants to do that, you know, so... I- I give him props for uh, acknowledging that. that uh, that's awesome. Uh, the one last, uh, I guess, actor, um, it's a cameo actually, was in this film. Um, Stuart, you pointed out this particular character as well uh, while we were watching. Um, it was a person who played the umpire in uh, the first part uh, cricket game. Uh, it was actually Sir Richard Hadley, former New Zealand test star. Well, there you go. I got the person wrong, so I just added <laughs> out the uh, these ones. But uh, I knew it was someone. I knew it was someone. Yeah, I thought it was Dennis Lilly, but uh, oh. I was wrong. Yeah, so close, so close. Yeah, that's just right. You know, wrong side bowler, of the Tasman. Cricket yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I didn't even notice that. Oh, but I don't. I really don't want to have to watch the film again. <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> I think it was within like the first ten or fifteen minutes. So that's all you need to watch. <laughs> Yeah. Well, maybe I can just I can just Google uh, Sir Richard Hadley, save yeah. your legs. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that'll that'll get me there. But yeah. Oh, I I'm I'm annoyed. I missed that. Oh, Rory's not going to let me live that down. But that's right. <laughs> but no, nah, like yeah, he has like one line in the movie where like he tells you know, uh, I think it's yeah, um, Ted and uh, Rick to like get a move on. Um, it's the scene where Rick tells Ted that he's having a baby, and so yeah, he tells he tells the pair to get a move on, get to the crease. Um, start the game. So, uh, yeah, that was uh, Sir Richard Hadley. Richard, are you ready? Have you got a team? We got it all. Come on, boys, let's go. We got it all. Gentlemen, please. Too much time wasting. Let's get on with the game. Otherwise, I'll have to deduct some rights. Everything is going to be all right, Umpy. All right. Well, I've already uh, sort of referenced mine. um, But the next question that we ask is, was there a relatable character to you in this film? And so, Stewie, you know, you've uh, said that Callum's taken your uh, limelight in a lot of uh, <laughs> other things, so I'll come to you first. Um, so I've hung sh- on almost every actor and every character in this movie. Um, so this is tough, and I've got to eat a bit of humble pie here. But I do feel like um, Stephen Curry's character kind of struggling to leave one life behind and accept the new beginning kind of thing. I don't, I don't think that's just relatable to me. I think everyone kind of experiences that during their life. And uh, that's just the easiest answer to this question I could find. And uh, that's the one I'm going to go with. 
I don't know if I found anyone personally relatable, but I could definitely see Rick existing in real life. So I think <laughs> that's probably probably where I'd land on it. Um, just just this party animal who you know um maybe a bit immature and that sort of thing, and you know wants everyone to relax and wants everyone to you know have a great time like he's having and that sort of thing. But you know might internally be going through some some different stuff as um as Brendan Cal did rather effectively portray. Um, so I think that was um probably the most relatable character in terms of someone I could see actually existing but um yeah that's kind of where i'd land on that question yeah fair enough can confirm people like that do exist (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think that i agree with you stewie in terms of ted um being a relatable character i think that you know like you said we've all sort of been through that where like we don't want to like accept what's going on um you know grow up or uh, continue to you know live our lives um while others are you know seemingly you know getting there quicker or like moving on with other things a bit quicker um and sort of coming to the realization or like you know that decision to sort of like move on and do what's best and that sort of thing and um like I said earlier too Brenton Thwaites Mark um I think mostly it might just be because he is a Melbourne Renegades or seemingly to be a Melbourne Renegades fan so all right, we now get to the part of the episode, which Callum, if you don't know, it's one of Stewie's favourites. We do ask a prompt, and this week we're asking if you could have a cricket movie get made, what would it be and why? And because Stewie, because it's one of your favourites, do you want to go first? Sure. I've actually got a really good one. Mine's the uh, alternate universe, right, where uh, Callum's co-host Rory Dennis gets picked for the Australian team instead of Cam Green. And just uh, plays out how that goes. <laughs> Who's playing Rory Dennis? Is Rory Dennis playing Rory Dennis? Or is Stephen Curry playing Rory Dennis? It's got to be Stephen Curry, right? <laughs> <laughs> Callum, what's your idea for this particular uh, prompt? What do you want to get made into a movie? I personally would love to see a movie about test cricket, but I know that that would be marketed to two people and they're both on the Top Edge podcast that you can hear every week. But um, my little shameless plug there. But no, um, it's... uh, I think a test cricket film could be really interesting, especially considering, you know, the 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 documentary the test was quite interesting and quite compelling and um i think maybe a dramatized version of that could also be quite interesting especially considering you know trying to cement a team's legacy after it being kind of soiled by by controversy it doesn't have to be sandpaper because that might be too close to home but you know something like that could be how it um you know how it's um how it's presented and i think that could be that could have an interesting kind of psychology and it could be done quite well another suggestion um we had before before um recording was um that we could do um save your legs too or save your legs again perhaps mm-hmm. um would be a way to market it um where it's basically the inverse it's um an indian cricket team going to australia to play a cricket tournament and how that all goes um so that could be that could certainly be something interesting as well and um could maybe be quite funny or could maybe be painful like this one was. So we'll, we'll see. <laughs> I was going to say, Callum, do you envision Save Your Legs again being a good movie? Or <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> if it's a predominantly maybe like Indian movie, maybe it would be better than uh, what was predominantly an Australian made movie. So my idea for this segment, uh, we've talked a bit about, you know, like the different levels of uh, international cricket and sort of like how they've come about and sort of like have expanded or I guess like not really expanded into like shorter formats now. Um, And so my idea is uh, a scene where, you know, a team from, you know, back when test cricket was the only format of the game, they seemingly, this is a bit of a fantasy thing, they seemingly come to the modern day, they see T20 cricket, and they're immediately thrust into uh, competing in a T20 tournament um, and have to get adjusted to a new format. And uh, maybe they take this sort of stuff uh, with them back into the past or something like that um, and start up, you know, the that's where uh, T20 originates from in this movie maybe um but uh yeah so basically my idea is a base, basically a bit of time travel um a team from uh test cricket era coming to play t20 cricket bit of wg grace playing t20 how good would that be <laughs> i think that would be great um the only problem is um bradman wouldn't wouldn't play any different um, 
but um, I, I love the prospect of um someone blocking out the first three overs of a T20 game. <laughs> I think that would be amazing. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I really like that idea. Teddy was doing that, like <laughs> <laughs> he really was. He did some great, uh, you know, some great defensive batting. Uh, some good, a good Mark Taylor impression, I would say. <laughs> All right, we've come to the end of the episode now. So, Stewie, Callum, would you like to share your social media handles with us and any other avenues or platforms where we can find you? Yeah, so you can find me. I'm I'm usually most active on Twitter, so I'm at Callum underscore Logie on Twitter. I tweet a lot about basketball and cricket, so if you like those things, go for it. Um, and I'm also on the Top Edge Cricket Podcast. We're at Top Edge Cricket Podcast on Twitter. So if you want to, you know, hear or listen about all the happenings of world cricket, particularly Australian cricket, then um, go ahead and give that a listen. We're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And um, yeah, it's a good time. You can find me on Twitter at Stewie is sick of it. Um, I'm always down for a, uh, a discussion, uh, an argument. You hate something I said. Steve Curry, did you hear me on this podcast? <laughs> At me. Let's have it out, mate. Okay. Um, also, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Stewie, the sports guy. And, uh, you know, you can find me on on various soccer podcasts, including uh, After Extra Time, which uh, Callum's joined me on before. And, uh, you know, I'm sure Jason's listened to once or twice. So. <laughs> Maybe I'll even appear on it too. <laughs> <laughs> You can find me on both Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Jace Irves. You've been listening to Goals on Film. You can find Goals on Film on Twitter and Instagram at Goals on Film Pod. Goals on Film is part of the Edge of the Crowd network. You can find Edge of the Crowd on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, and TikTok at Edge of the Crowd. You can also view any of our stories, be it sport, culture, or politics, on our website, www.edgeofthecrowd.com. Until next week, thanks for listening.